Look, I'm trying to dry it. Okay. It, it is so luscious, Brad. <laughs> it's flowing locks. You look like Sharon Stone and Sliver, I think is the look is the thing I would say. Okay. Well, as long as it's Sliver and not basic instinct, I guess I'm okay. Well, look, you, your shoulders up. So I don't know if it's okay. a basic instinct situation here, man. We're old. Um, <laughs> I don't normally shower in the mornings, but circumstances necessitated it. Also, I just washed it. But what's your, you like, you like two washes and a little conditioner. Is that where uh, you're at these I days? Should have con- we were in a hurry. We need, we had to record this podcast before yeah. other work started for the day. It's, it's very, it's less long than I was expecting. Actually. Did you trim? Well, can you see all the way to the bottom? Oh, okay. No, never, never mind. It keeps going. It's like halfway down my chest now. Just, just be happy that you still have a lot on the top. The thing that's happened to me during the pandemic is it's thinned out a lot. I don't know if it's stress or, uh, you know, I, I know where you're coming from. I hopped on FaceTime with my mom a few weeks ago and she was like, you have my dad's hairline now. Oh no. <laughs> and I was like, oh crap, you're right. And like, and I do the thing that he did too when I was a kid. Cause I'm like, I, I realize this. I'm like, at this point, I'm like eight years younger than I remember my, like when I went the age that I first remember my grandparents were mm-hmm. when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And my grandfather used to do this thing where he'd take one arm off of his glasses and dangle it down so he could see stuff because he was nearsighted. So he, if he wanted to see like something small, like a watch or something, he'd get it real close to his eyeballs and just pull his glasses off, but dangle it on one arm. And I do that all the time now. So we, we, we truly become our parents and our grandparents, which is grim. It happens to everybody. Uh, it, hello, it's early. I'm here with my sleepy voice and my... That looks gross. My bottle of gra- grass clippings. Is it chlorophyll or something? What are you? Are, do you have? Are you Iron Man two? Is that what where you're at? Isn't there chlorophyll in everything? Everything green. He, yeah. It, this I green. I went through a green smoothie phase, a green juice phase for a brief period, and, and yeah, no, I backed out. You may, you're making a face. Okay, there's definitely kale in here. Yeah, that's a maybe, minus. Maybe maybe some chard or something. Uh, Swiss or other? Probably Swiss. I like a Swiss chard. We've been we've been hitting the farmer's market a lot lately. We've got excess greens. I, I grill. I grill a Swiss chard a lot. Whoa. I like, I like a grilled chard. Wow. Yeah. Like it whole leaf? It up just a little bit. Just just for you put on a little olive oil and salt and pepper just for a second. And it kind of it makes it less bitter. That's got to be like whole leaf, right? Yeah. I just put the whole head on usually. Big old, big old stalk. Yeah. Yeah. We um we uh, I'm I'm uh, I'm away from home. So uh, I. Uh, and being lazy and I just bought some Stumptown cold brew at the grocery store. What? And, uh, I, I knew you poured that in and, uh, I'm going to go and tell you pretty good. I'm, I'm happy with my choices. Stumptown. Stumptown. It's a roaster from Portland. I think, uh, a, one of the famous early third wave coffee roasters up there with like intelligentsia and, and, uh, ritual and, and those guys, <laughs> these roaster names are getting out of control. No, Stumptown is Stumptown's like a nickname for Portland. Okay, fine. Intelligentsia. Yeah. I don't know. Hmm. It, look, Intelligentsia is from Chicago. They're a little snooty. Yes. Well, yes. The, as we know, they'll be the first to go. Welcome to Brad and Will Made a Tech Pod. I'm Will. I'm Brad. Hello. Brad, I got an email last night uh, sent to an address associated with this podcast pitching a guest for the Maximum PC No BS podcast, which I have not been on at this point in 12 and a half years. Wow. Also, nor nor is that email address associated with that podcast in any way whatsoever. Nor has it ever been associated with this email, this podcast, nor has that podcast existed for at least seven or eight years at this point. That one's the crazy one. Yeah. (laughs) Try to book a guest on a show that has been gone almost a decade. I'm going to first first things first. I need to revive the show. Mm -hmm. And then I'm going to get your I don't even want to talk about what it was, but like that stuff happens because somebody buys a list, I think. And then the list hasn't been updated or it was partially updated or whatever. They they got taken for a ride. Yeah, (laughs) the list was worthless. Wait, what if we what if we brought that podcast back as a front? 
Welcome to the No BS Podcast. I'm Will. It's for the well, oh, no, we did the date. It was welcome to the No BS Podcast for the week of Jan, July 10th, 2022. Don't, we had good theme music for that. Jeremy Williams did that music I mean, for us, as I recall. I mean, I need I need a new computer. What if we just like start hitting up like AMD and Intel, and like get them to send us stuff? We have a podcast about technology. We can just do that. We don't need to make a front podcast for I that, Brad. Yes. I don't know. Sometimes I feel like the name of this podcast makes it a little difficult to do outreach because it's Brad and Will because it's too, too, too congenial. Remember that time we went to that Microsoft dinner and they had the little name cards at the table. Yeah, that was the last thing I did before the pandemic. Yeah, I think. same. And it had um, the full name of the podcast on there. <laughs> I felt a little strange about it. Well, look, we're, there's 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 like. We're from the, we, that just means we're hip and with it, like the young kids. It means we're, we're being, uh, we're being personable and we're putting our brands forward instead of behind. Like, it's not like, it's not like 2004 when we're trying to run the internet and you're trying to be a magazine, but every day. There's, you know, there's nothing that people who are hip and with it say more often than how hip and with it they are. Yeah, exactly. I often, I, I should make a t-shirt that says, I am Will, I'm hip and with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are we talking about today, Brad? Do you? Yes are on your annual pilgrimage to the desert once again. Yeah, like last year we escaped during fire season and then fire season mostly just blew to the East Coast, which was, I mean, pros and cons, still fire season. But are they having fires now? Uh, I mean, there's always fires. It's California, but nothing bad yet. Oh, 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 you mean you mean like the smoke, the the output blew to the East Coast? Yeah, last last year, instead of blowing to the West where we live, yes. the smoke just blew east and it ruined summer for Chicago and New York and people in the northern United States. Oh, yeah. I had relatives in North Carolina were complaining to me about the smoke yeah, <laughs> well, if it was my doing somehow. Yeah, but sorry. Our, sorry. Our state is on fire. It's it's totally an, I'm sorry. It's an inconvenience for you. Um the uh, this year we just Gina sent a message to the woman who owns the place and was like, "Hey, do you have any availability?" And she was like, "Yeah, you can come down in two weeks." So we came down in two weeks. Here we are. Now it's two weeks later. Did two and a half? Yeah, and you're, um, and you're back in Palm Desert. We're back in Palm Desert. I have a hundred megabit fiber, which it turns out you can Ooh. saturate pretty easily. Um, Wait, hang on, hundred megabit fiber. 100 megabit fiber. Interesting. Is that? I mean, that's just got to be like an arbitrary speed limit, right? Like normally. Oh, yeah. hundred percent speeds in the hundred megabit category are usually cable or even I guess copper doesn't go that high, does it? Um, copper can go like no, DSL. You, I don't even what is even the modern incarnation of a copper Internet connection? Is it DSL? Probably still right? some form of DSL. Well, DSL cables copper, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. I guess I meant like copper phone lines, not cable. Coax is what I would call cable. Um, yeah, it's a uh, it's it's. I mean, you, you you can't do DSL super fast still. Like DSL still caps out at like 100 megabit probably. Yeah, that, I, I don't even know what DSL caps out at actually. The, the plans, I was, I was looking around where my parents live just for shits and giggles to see mm-hmm. what was available in that area. And all the DSL plans I saw were like 25 megabit down. Yeah, DSL is, is 5 to 35 megabits is what the internet's telling me. Okay, yes, that attracts. And uh, uploads are slow, 1 to 10 megabits. Anyway, you usually see fiber connections advertised at least into the hundreds of megabits. So hundred is just that's just got to be an ISP cap, right? My my guess is that they're on their they're like this is a vacation house for them, and they're yes. like, hey, here is the twenty dollar a month plan versus the fifty dollar a month plan. A hundred megabits is more than enough for you to put on Netflix and put your kids in front of it, so that you can have ten minutes of peace. Yeah, and it turns out it's pretty good. It's, and it's 100 megabits upload, which is oh. like, realistically what I care about more is upload at this Same. point. Like, as long as the download is enough that Netflix doesn't choke out the internet connection, having decent upload is super important. It we turns out for me specifically. Yeah. Yes, we live a strange existence. Yeah. That upstream um, matters that much, but you know. The, uh, the so yeah, uh, we packed up the 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 bolt. We drove down. I got a new, I got a new, uh, I got a, I got an accessory for the bolt. Let me real quick. I'll back up. I guess, I guess the, the idea for this episode is sort of a loose discussion of like working remotely, traveling and hacking tech. And yeah, is that right? Something What's the stuff lines? we do to make traveling remotely and being able to get like, cause like this is a working trip for me, like right. the kiddo and, and my wife are hanging out at the pool and doing stuff during the day. I'm, I'm here toiling away in the video game mines and right. the podcast mines, uh, just yeah. like always. I mean, yeah, you, you packed basically an entire office and took it with you. 
I have all of the stuff that I need to do podcast and to play games for work uh, here. Yeah. And stream also. And you've got a year of experience under your belt because you worked from that exact same bedroom last year. It's much easier. It was much easier this go round. Yeah, absolutely. What have you learned? Um, so, uh, well, okay. So first off, if you're just going on vacation someplace and you don't have to work and like, I, 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 I remain envious of people who can like use a laptop for work mm-hmm. <laughs> because it, you know, when, when we're testing dev builds and stuff like that and grabbing screenshots and stuff from that, I not only need to like have access to a real computer, but I need something that can run at like 4k 60 in case we need to grab footage from the game. Um, we have a little bit more help with that uh, this year than we did previously, but, but still it's it, like, you need a real computer. I need a real computer. I can't, can't, I can't do the laptop for this. Um, so I bring the desktop and basically when we load up the bolt, what I do is put, uh, all the computer stuff, like there's a little secret compartment underneath the main floor in the back of the car. Under that is all the computer crap. Wait, that's where you run your moonshine. Look. Moonshine's legal now, so we don't have to worry about it. It's true. You know, I have a uh, I have a family member who went to county jail for that very thing. What really? In, in the twenty first century? No, during prohibition. Oh, 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 yeah. I mean, look, and a much older family member who is no longer. We, with us, we but, all know people but, who had. But, we, we know we know multiple people whose family who have family history there. That the family apocrypha is that he he took it down to the factory and sold it to the workers getting off the shift. I can see that. that seems like a good call. Like you take your mason jars out and you're back uh-huh. of the back of the back of the old uh, family truckster. Mm-hmm. We uh, there were definitely valleys when I was a kid near Bristol that we were not allowed to drive down. Interesting. Yeah. Like a friend of mine had a had a vacation house out in the out in the out in the wilderness. And like you could go as far as his house. But once the road turned to gravel, you weren't allowed to drive down it anymore because that's <laughs> where you get to the moonshiners. It's where the ill shit goes down. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's where it's where you people ain't coming back the same. I mean, there's a I, I may have mentioned it before. There's a still in the family. Yeah, there's a still still in the family. Yeah, you have but a family still. That's a, nice. That's convenient. A, a still that was operated in the woods for quite a few years has now been like shined up and is now serving as like landscaping decoration. Well, my, my parents bought this place before I was born in Hickory Tree because they were they were realtors then. And they would like if they saw something to say like they would just buy it and hold on to it because land was cheap in Bristol at the time. And they bought a place with a with a little creek and a dam on it. And when they were digging up to to fix the dam, they dug up a buried still and a bunch wow. of moonshine. Yeah. Wow. Wait, yeah. in the jar, in the jars, in the jugs, dude, like buried under dirt buried under a little bit of leaves and dirt. Yeah. Holy crap. Yeah. This was like 40 years ago. So it's safe to talk about now. <laughs> any sign? I mean, it'd be tough to date, but any sign at all, how old it was, they left it out and it went away. So fairly fresh. Okay. They left it out. So they didn't get shot. Uh huh. I see. Yeah. <laughs> I see. Yeah. F- there were fresh signs of use as my father described it. Oh, okay. Okay. This is not like a previous generation. No, this was like the hiding spot for somebody who who was squatting on somebody because like the move. I can't believe we're talking about this, but the move, <laughs> as I understand it, is that you would never put the still up on your own land because then it can be traced back to you. Right. Mm-hmm. You put the still up. You like you go squat on a neighbor's hill someplace and you set up your your, your shit over there. And then it's it's like if you're planting weed in the cornfields, you don't plant the weed in your cornfield. You plant it in your neighbor's cornfield. So that then they have plausible deniability. Everybody knows that. Yeah, it's it's just common sense. So anyway, um, yeah, that's, that's my, I, I have a disturbing number of moonshine stories when I think about it, but I'm going to move on. Same. Anyway, uh, we, we, so, okay. So we drove down in the bolt. It's a small car. We are bringing a month worth of crap, but the nice thing about coming to the desert is basically I have like three pairs of shorts and like five t-shirts and, and that's pretty much what I need. It's Maybe a, dry a hoodie heat. if it gets cold in the yeah. house. It's a dry heat, right? Yeah, it's, it's, it, it is, it is a very dry heat. Um, but we got, uh, I got an ODB adapter, which plugs into like the data port for the car. Okay. And so one of the things that annoys me about the bolt is you don't get like battery stats mm-hmm. through CarPlay. So like, you know what the battery percentage is and all that stuff, but you don't get, when you plug in the, when you plug your phone to the car, like the, the route planner app can't interface with the car directly to find out like how much charge there is and stuff like that as we're, as we're driving this ODB adapter plugs in and connects to the phone with Bluetooth and it gives that information. So like 
instead of having to do three 40 minute stops last year to charge this year, we did two 40 minute stops and one like 15 minute stop, hmm. um, which made the whole thing much more humane. Well, that's efficiency. Um, I, want, I got two questions. I think we could have done it in two stops if we were, if we were a little ballsier and or ran the air conditioner like five minutes less. Uh, number one, I only know ODB to stand for one thing. Yeah. I don't think this is the old dirty bastard adapter. Uh, no, it is Should not. I? <laughs> I mean, I thought that too, but um, it is. What is an ODB? It's a vehicle interface adapter. It is. I don't know what ODB stands for, though. Oh, wait. Are you sure it's not OBD? OBD. Adapter? Sorry. Oh, I'm, I'm yes. Dyslexic. That's what, okay. OBD adapter. I don't, yeah, know what, I don't see that that stands for anything. I'm seeing it referred to as like OBD link. That that's it's it's so it's like a it looks like an old parallel port almost it's a weird it's the oh, thing weird. that your it's the thing that your mechanic plugs in to find out why the check engine light is oh it's okay. onboard diagnostics is what it stands oh, for okay that stands to reason car adapters car plugs car ports are weird you know like like the din on the back of a head unit and stuff like yeah. that they all look like they are about fifty years old they are uh, I guess, this, yeah I guess they are <laughs> the the OBD uses an SAE J nineteen sixty two data link connector which I'm betting is a nineteen sixty two because it was designed in nineteen sixty two I would I would believe that uh, the other thing I was going to ask is I wonder um, stuff like stuff like diagnostic battery data like is that standardized are there standard protocols for communicating that kind of information that that like are maybe manufacturer agnostic at this point so, in cars. Let's see. The battery thing works. So you have to get specific ones that work with electric cars because I believe there was an extension to the spec to support the battery information when they started, when electric cars became a real thing. Um, but I don't know the specific, I haven't gotten into the specifics of that. It's an interesting topic. We should maybe dig into that. That might make a good episode. Yeah. Like, like car tech, where car tech is at and specifically like car data, I think is super interesting. I mean, the interesting thing about this is the OBD, the having having access to the OBD information, like let the the route planner app. The uh, we use a better route planner, which is it's like literally the name of the app is a better route planner. Uh, it it let it let it get live info, so it would say, oh hey, you don't actually need to stop here. You can go on for another forty miles because you have enough battery. And then because the the game for people who haven't listened to the car episode, the game with the electric car is to get in, like there's a sweet spot for charging speed where you get the maximum charging speed possible. Um, and that's from like 10% to eight to 60% for the bolt. And then at, oh. at 60%, it starts slowing down just like your phone does. But then also under 10, does it slow down as well? Under, you don't look, man, I don't want to ever be <laughs> under 10. Oh, I see. There are different considerations under 10. Yeah. Under 10, uh, like, so driving down five, it's less of a problem because there's a lot of chargers. But if you're like going down 101 where chargers are a little more sparse, under 10 is pretty scary. That is kind of scary because like, I, I wonder what the, like, I, do you think AAA has a solution for that at this point? You know, obviously. Yeah with a with an, an ice engine ice is that the yeah term? they no, just bring you they, more gas yeah they just roll up with a like five gallon yeah you know jug of gas like i wonder if they've got a, an equivalent for electric cars i would like to never find out <laughs> do you have that's my affirmed goal yeah um i, I mean maybe there's like a 10 percent extra battery under there that i don't know about right uh i'm assuming no and i'm my intent is to never learn learn the the, the real truth here that, that is responsible electric vehicle operation. Yeah. So, okay. So I brought the desktop computer, which is stupid. I ah. also brought the Xbox Series S because we we release on that. It's nice to be able to test that stuff when it gets to our staging servers. Are you, are you able to get by with just an S? I mean, obviously you're you're making a game for the Xbox, not just playing one. Do you not, you don't have to play both builds or both versions? So I, so I don't. We have other people who have coverage uh, who have both dev kits and play kits that do X testing. Um, and then we have a couple of people who have X's that test when we get into stage. I think I'm the only person. I, I, I think Chet maybe has an S too. I think, I think there's a couple of S's in the company and and I'm one of them. So I also, it's so small, who cares? It is. And it's, it's nice. Cause I, when I'm not using it for work, I just plug it in the big TV and cause it's like 110 during the day here. So we're not, we're not doing a ton of stuff during the day outside. So like if the kiddo wants to play Fortnite or human fall flat or something, or something in the living room, she can on the Xbox, which is yeah. nice. I, I, I'll, <clears throat> excuse me. Early morning froggy. Yeah. Um, uh, I also have flown cross country three times now with a Series S and it travels pretty well. It is. There's not really a lot of moving parts. And yeah. it, it's it's like 
I use it as a shim to keep stuff from sliding around at the bottom of the car because <laughs> sure. it's like a good size to squeeze in between two between two things. It's pretty sturdy. It's got some bulk to it. I knocked it off of, I'd say, about a two and a half foot height onto the floor one time, and it yeah. came out just fine okay. so far. Um, do you know if, uh, this is maybe kind of an esoteric game dev question, do you know if, are there debug kits for Xbox that would allow the same unit to act as both? Like, can you... Can you like say constrain the number of GPU cores it's using to make an X act like an S for testing and so forth? Oh, I don't. I as far as I know, our debug kits don't do that. But I haven't asked. Okay. It hasn't come up because you know they've got the same CPU, the same. I believe yeah. the, the bus for the storage is the same and all that. Yeah, my my guess is no, but I don't know the dev the dev kits. Um, uh, yeah, I don't. I don't know about that. I, I have. I don't have any experience with the dev kits because we work remotely. So, and I like they're they're still kind of expensive. So we only have like two of them. I think. Fair. Um, it's funny. We have a ton of Xbox One. We also release on Xbox One. So we have a ton of Xbox One and One X dev kits. Uh, they're they're a little bit easier. The, the I mean, frankly, the dev kits are a little bit hard to get. Even even. I mean, they're expensive and you have to get all, it takes a while for them to get, like you'll get them eventually, you can pre-order them, but it just takes a while for you to get them is my understanding. And so there is an actual Xbox dev kit because, you know, they, that was one of their big pitches to developers was like, hey, every Xbox can be a dev kit, you know, or, or like a test unit, I guess is the term. Like you can make any Xbox become a developer kit that can run unsigned code, but, but is there still a quote unquote like dev kit above that? It depends. the the Every Xbox can run unsigned code depends on which APIs you use, is my understanding. So you, you have a different set of APIs if you're converting your Xbox to a... If you're converting a retail Xbox to a dev kit, you, ha- you have access to a different set of APIs than if you have... Or if you're in the actual developer program. Uh, so yeah, like, like if you want to use the full might of the hardware, you don't, you don't get that access if you're doing the conversion thing. That makes sense. Yeah, it's it's a weird. It's, it feels kind of arbitrary from where I sit because it would be really nice to be able to turn any of the re, like to go out and buy a three hundred dollar console and turn it into a dev kit. Um, but I, I'm sure there's good reasons to not do that. Anyway, uh, so yeah, I have the Series S. I brought the real mic and the real boom arm this year because I was like the boom arm takes up like I, I it folds folds so it's like four inches wide and like a foot and a half long and and no thickness. Is that um, the? It's a road road PSA one PSA one yeah. Mine is so creaky. I uh I put some of the some I, I lubed it up and mine yeah, doesn't I, creak anymore. I have also done also apologies to the person who who provided it to me. <laughs> it's not your fault. Oh, they just get creaky after time. Yeah, mine's no, ten I, years old and it, it yeah. makes a little bit of noise sometimes. Yeah, mine's a couple years at this point, year and a half. Yeah, but anyway, um, it's, it's a good arm otherwise. I didn't bring the spider clamp for my microphone, which I kind of miss, but it shock I, mount the shock mount. I, it seemed I unnecessary. I don't find that I need it with this selector voice. You, I mean, we've got slightly different models, but mine, like I, I type, I kind of, you know, I do stuff on the desk that it's mounted on. And, um, it, it's, it helps if you bump into it. It seems yes, like if you bump sure. into the arm, yes. but other than that, no, well, that's just a rookie mistake. Look, man. I, uh, so one of the nice things about stripping down the whole desk at home to pack up and move out here for the month is that when I come back, I get to rearrange everything, learning what I've learned for the last six months. I'm very excited about that. Um, I, I so I realized if I bring the clamp on monitor mount, it the the pole plus the arm takes up less space than one like normal monitor stand. So I just brought a second monitor this year. So you got to have two instead of one. Man, you really did disassemble everything. I, well, I mean, if I'm taking uh, the monitors are in the same arm, the yeah. up and down monitors in the same arm. So taking one off, I had to take both off to bring the arm. So it wasn't that big a deal. But um, but yeah, so uh, that that that's feeling pretty good. Um, I brought the the Playdate and the Steam Deck to um, switch. I, huh? The switch is here. Oh, it is. Yeah, well, we play Mario Kart probably twice a week. I see. Still. Um, I don't know, man. I still bring the Switch when I go back home. Yeah. It's feeling it's feeling more and more superfluous to me at this point. Man, they released Pokemon Puzzle League for the for the N64 back compat yesterday. So mm. like suddenly there's a reason to have to have your switch with you. I suppose that's a pretty good game. A good counter argument uh, on the monitors before we move on. Didn't, didn't yeah. you, you told me earlier that you 
went through all that rigmarole of bringing your whole monitor set up only to find that the that your host has now provided a monitor. Yeah, there's a pretty good BenQ 1440p monitor just wow. sitting here when I got here. Wow, that was not there last year, I think. Was not here last year. Do you think, what if they bought that for you? Um, well, so he, they, the people who own this place, the guy runs a podcast. I don't know what the oh. podcast is or I'd plug it. Um, <laughs> God, everybody has a podcast now. I mean, middle-aged white guys all have podcasts, Brad. That's mm. the takeaway. Um, uh, he, like the Airbnb picture had an Elgato, like deck light on it, uh, on the desk, clamped on the desk in the picture. Okay. Um, I see. Yeah. <laughs> you so, knew what kind of establishment you were walking into. Well, yeah. And like, clearly they've, they've set decorated the background. Like there's a bird and there's a bird and a plant. They follow all the rules. The background of the zoom shot when I'm on zoom calls follows all the rules of the, of the rate your zoom, uh, you know, the, the people who rate people zooms who are on CNN or whatever. I'd say that's at least a seven from where I sit. Maybe if, if you, if you made the bed, it would be an eight. Well, I usually make the bed, but this is not a video <laughs> podcast. Fair. Um, yeah. So, uh, let's see that that's it. I think, uh, oh, and then I brought two, it's funny cause like the bag of cables and accessories is as big as the computer case. Nice. That, that, like, you know, you're doing, you're, you're living that life when you've got that many adapters and cables. Dude, it is, it takes so fucking many cables to keep, like I have to bring the, the antenna and I brought a hundred feet of ethernet and some gaff tape to run a cable down the hall from the, from the router. Oh, that's right. Last year you were on again Ugh. in that same spot, but on questionable Wi-Fi for the whole month. And that was like, yeah, right. it was like the, the end of the long chain on the mesh network. And it's not, it, it turns out it's not where I want to be for trying to do a low latency podcast recording. Let's say. It was less than ideal. Yeah, it wasn't great. Or anything that requires upstream was was pretty bad. Um, uh, so the big thing on the cable front that I did this year was I bought a big uh, multi-pack of adjustable zip ties, reusable zip ties. So they have like a little thumb that you can push oh, the key down and, and pull them back off. Yeah, they're awesome. Oh, my Check God. This. I am, it's going to blow your mind. I'm watching him tie um, a zip tie. Uh-huh, there's that click. Then, now you'll he, never use that thing again. Oh, what what? Man, look at that. Magic. It's it's so like a regular zip tie with one extra little piece on it. Well, so what I did this time was for each device, I bundled all the cables together. So like the PC had the display port cables, the power cable, um, all wrapped up in one big bundle, right? The audio interface had the USB-C and the XLR cables bundled up together. The console had the HDMI and the power cable bundled up together. Uh, and, and this, it turns out has some real benefits, which is I could just reach into the bin, grab the cable out that I needed. And I only got the cables that I needed for each device when I needed it. That's smart. Uh, and once I got here, I was able to use the extra zip ties to kind of tidy up the cables a little bit. So it's not a whole living nightmare under the desk. You are really doing it this year. Yeah. So, I mean, look, I'm here for a 12th of the year. So that's fair. That's a, you know, we could, we could do the math on how much of your life that is, especially over maybe multiple years. Yeah. Uh, Um, so that, that's pretty much it. Having two monitors, it turns out pretty nice. Pretty good. It's very hard to go back. Well, like, yeah, once you're used to having two monitors, especially if you're doing like any kind of streaming or anything like that, where you need to have two things open, like last year, I used my laptop setting off to the side, but that was a presented a whole other host of pain in the ass. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's like, it's, it's, I've gotten it to the point that it took me like four hours to tear everything down. It took me about three hours, two hours, two and a half hours to set everything up. I'm sure it'll take longer next year. I mean, when I get home to put everything back together, but I'm going to field strip the desk and like replace cables and, and get, get right length cables and stuff like that for everything. I think is the plan. It's pretty good overhead. Yeah. I felt Four pretty good about it. Uh, on, on the monitor stuff. I, you know, I've got two 27 inch, uh, 1440 P. Well, we're aware, here. Brad. What? We've talked, about, we've talked about your monitors. Look, I'm just trying to establish context. God damn it. I don't know who hasn't ever listened to this podcast before. I'm just giving you grief. You try to over explain for the benefit of first time listeners and you get nothing. I know, I know, I know. I'm the, I'm a bad person. I'm sorry. No, it's less you. And anyway, <laughs> um, what was I even saying? Uh, but the point is though, going from two 27 inch monitors to a 14 inch MacBook, 
hoof a bit restrictive when I was working remote. I, 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 did we talk about this? I got to the point where I was using the iPad, my my 10 inch iPad Pro as a second monitor. Yeah, which I can see that basically works. Are they still calling that sidecar? I think that's what that feature started out as. It may just it has be a different name now. It may just be mirror display now or something. But it's weird using a trackpad on a on a on an iPad is kind of strange. But oh, that does that would be weird. It mostly works. The mouse cursor is like a little dot. It's like a little translucent dot that moves around. Really? Except when it's in macOS mode, it just is literally another monitor. It, oh, just right, looks, right. it just looks like macOS with an arrow and everything. But you can also control the iPad like iOS or I, iPad OS, I guess they call it now. Wait, you can control that from your MacBook? Yes, with the trackpad on the MacBook. And again, like I said, the cursor at that point is a little translucent dot that moves around. It's very strange. Oh, 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 it's the assistive thing. It's the assistive dot that you see when you when you're using like an external device. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes okay. sense. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, it's in a pinch for monitoring or recording or something. It I mean, does the you're, job. you're back there enough these days that it might be worth looking at, like getting a cheap, like you, like you can get a hundred dollar monitor. It's pretty yeah, good I, for that kind of use. Now we almost did that. Uh, they have, as a matter of fact, they have that same old Dell that I had two of that I got rid of finally. Oh, the 24, the 24, 15 or whatever. Uh, tw- uh, t- oh God. Oh no. Am I forgetting it? The number. Oh man. There was the, the year, the year was in there and 24 yeah, was no, in it's, there. It's, it's, the, it's the 2005 FPW. There was also a 2405 okay. FPW. Anyway, theirs is in very good shape because they don't use it much. I bought it for them for Christmas ages ah. ago. Anyway, yeah. I, every time I go there, I have to resist spending a bunch of their money upgrading all of their tech. Yeah, don't, like, don't do that. Just like their, their wife, their Wi-Fi is woefully outdated. That monitor is 15 years old. I was like, you should get a new monitor and a new router and like this and that. And but they're fine. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I, I've been looking at like those portable monitors. I don't know if you've seen those, but yeah, they're like USB bus powered. So it's basically need, like a laptop screen. Yes. We need to talk about USB-C on this episode, but we'll get there. But a lot of those portable monitors I've been seeing are in fact USB-C powered. Yeah. And, and like they're, those are, they're still kind of expensive because they're certain kind of a, a specialty item, but it would be really nice to have just a small monitor. I could just clamp on right on the side of the display. Um, and that would, that would solve me having to bring two monitors for something like this. I think. Oh, do they come with mounting hardware? No, but you, you look, the mounting hardware is cheap and is e- easily ex- available. I think most of the ones I've seen are like 13 to 15 inch, right? Yeah. Usually they're like, th- think about laptop size, right? And they're um, right. I think the cheapest on sale I've seen them is like 300 bucks now, which is like, you know, that, that feels still, like too much. Still pricey for that size of screen, but like it's getting there. I mean, what is the uh, what is doing the video output at that point? Is it is it the is it's it like probably, Thunderbolt over USB-C? Is that I guess is it's display? display port over USB-C display or Thunderbolt port. over USB-C? Yeah, right. But the screens, I assume, are just dumb screens, right? Like they don't have nothing, any, any video processing in them. I mean, I'm, I'm sure they could. They could be USB devices that, that are going to have, you know, all the pros and cons of USB devices. Um, but my guess is that they're, for the most part, pretty, pretty stupid. Just displays. I've, I've, I've read a decent amount of discussion from people who have bought early models of those things. And like the concept is awesome. The one thing that really not, I'm not looking to buy one anytime soon, but latency is the one complaint I've seen that actually would be kind of a deal breaker for me. Well, so. My understanding is that latency is bad in a video game context, but probably negligible in a desktop context. Yeah, you're probably right. It's probably fine for that. Um, but 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 yeah, like the USB, the the big change for me from this year to last year is that everything I ha- brought with me is USB C at this yes. point. I think, except I, for my phone, which is Lightning. I have been feeling that probably since the beginning of the year. I, f- I think I think USB C finally happened. Yeah, I like, think it, I think like it happened. Last year, I had some micro USB controllers because uh, I brought probably an Xbox Series S control or Xbox One S controller, which I think was US was uh, micro USB. Uh, one controllers were micro, yes. Yeah, um, but this year I brought a PS a DualSense and a and an Xbox uh, Xbox Series controller, and like uh, I brought a pair of wireless headphones for the kiddo to use. My audio interface is USB-C now. My keyboard's USB-C now. I guess my mouse pad and mouse are still micro USB, but they have their own cables. So who cares? I think it feels like in the last year-ish. So yeah, like the new console controllers are USB-C. 
I think in the last year, just USB-C became the default connector for everything. Like like that Motu audio interface I bought uses it. Uh, I bought a new Kindle. That's USB-C. Yeah. I got this iPhone SE. It's still lightning cable, but it's USB-C on the other end and not A. Yep. Uh, looking around the room here, it's just it just feels like that we're there. Yeah, which, it's the time. Which I guess is good. It's funny because I feel like Norm and I first saw USB-C at CES in like 2010 or 2011. Or 2011 or 2012 it was when we were still in the whiskey basement and and like that i remember thinking oh man this is gonna be really cool when it finally lands and now a mere 10 years later here <laughs> we are finally standards they take a while to proliferate well but but like if you think about it like as recently as probably two years ago i might have even brought a micro uh, a mini usb cable in case i had like a uh you know camera or something that I needed to plug in. But like sure. my GoPro is my, is USB-C now all every, everything I have is USB-C. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that <clears throat> excuse me, that, that Yeti that became my out of town mic is still mini USB, for example. Oh, wow. That's mini. Yeah. Well, that's funny. The Yeti I used to have is, was a USB a, the, the not host end. Interesting. Huh. Yeah. It wow. was the big chonky plug. I, I wouldn't be shocked if even the Yeti is coming off the line now or USB-C. I would, I would hope everything. Did you see the, that Elizabeth, uh, uh, Elizabeth Warren came out on, on the phone charger? She was like, Hey, the EU has a smart, th-. she was smart enough to not say, Hey, the EU does this smart. So the, the <laughs> right wing people don't go crazy. Yeah. But she, she did say, Hey, it's stupid that we make people buy new chargers all the time and, and don't just use USB-C for everything, which is, I mean, I, I guess on smartphones, everything's USB-C or lightning at this point. Oops. Yeah, Apple's got to be the only holdout at this point, right? And I, 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 it feels like the rumors get stronger every year that they're finally going to make the switch, like in the next year or two. I mean, I think once Johnny Ive left, the the main uh, antagonist against USB C probably went away. That's that's fair. God, remember remember the last switch from the forty pin to the lightning. Oh God, the yeah. wailing and gnashing of teeth that accompanied that. I literally just got rid of the last one of those adapters when I was cleaning up my office a few weeks ago. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, maybe, maybe it will be as bad this time because USB-C is on everything else. But I don't know. You tell me. Um, I I mean, I feel like this has been a more gentle transition, but we'll see. Yeah, I think uh, the, the the point that I realized that this had finally flipped over was where I went. I went from being annoyed when things are USB-C to being annoyed when they're USB-A now. Like now now I'm annoyed yeah. at having to keep adapters around to use USB-C stuff because like this MacBook is all C. Uh like I, I want things to be C now instead of wanting them to be. Yeah. Like I, 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 as I was packing for this trip, I was like, I need to buy, like I have a couple of travel size, like four port USB a chargers. And it became clear that I need to buy some multi USB C chargers for things like phones and watches and, and stuff like that. Um, what, uh, I, I was going to say like the, the interesting thing for me is that it, it, this year has definitely been the year that it went from, oh, I need to chuck a couple of USB-C cables into my bag to like, here, here's all the micro cables and like one mini cable and then a, a couple of USB-Cs just in case. Because like last year I rolled in here with exactly the right number of USB-Cs and, and I actually had a problem because I couldn't, like I, I, had to, I had to buy a USB-C when I was here because I forgot that the camera uses USB-C right. and I didn't, have an, like, I, I, I didn't have anything to charge stuff with, like so charge controllers with. That's why you never only bring just enough. Yeah, well, I mean, look, sometimes minimalism is not my strong point, it turns out, when you're traveling like this. But, um, but, but yeah, so this year it's definitely like, oh, I need to chuck in a bunch of USB-Cs and then I'll put in one or two micros and minis. I don't think I have a mini, but micros just in case. The future is now the best of 2010 technology. 2012, 2012. 2012, sorry. Yeah. Um, so what's, what's okay, so you've been traveling too, but you're, you're going on airplanes instead of driving. So you're traveling a little lighter by necessity, I think. Yes. Although, boy, that first trip out, the, I, December was the first time I had been out there since the, before the pandemic. So mm-hmm. that was two plus years. Had to remember how to fly. Had to remember that, oh, wow, I should not pack that backpack that full of stuff. Boy, were your arms tired. There were like six, I'm trying to count in my head, like six different items that I had to pull out for TSA that were electronics in nature and put on the conveyor belt. Wait, do you not trip. have pre? No. Brad. I should. Okay. I really should. Well, right it. now it doesn't make a, much, I mean, a ton of sense, but. Yeah. Well, I have flown out there and back three times in the last six months, so it would have made quite a bit of sense. But, you know, so if you travel a lot and if you tend to carry a lot of gear, like spending the $70 every five years on pre 
And and just to be clear, I think the $70 is just to pay for a background check or something. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's cheap. The bigger problem for me is that it's impossible to book the appointments around here. Like you can only do it at SFO last I checked, which is like a pain to get to SFO in the first place. And also the appointments are like weeks out. Well, yeah, I mean, they it, it like when I did it, I did it at Oakland and it was like five days, uh, like like four weeks out when I when I booked the appointment. Yeah. Um, it's it's worth going through the hassle. Oh, I definitely get I absolutely every time I fly and bring all that stuff. Uh, yeah. Although I've been going out there so much, I've actually like left half of that stuff there at this point. Yeah. Which I mean, I'm at the point now where I like I bought a pair of shoes to leave there this time, you know, which well, helps quite a bit. But yes, like every time I unpack all that stuff, uh, I'm like, man, what if I didn't have to do this or take off my shoes? Yeah, the not having to take off your shoes, it, it goes from being like a 30 minutes minimum through security to about five minutes usually at, at SFO in my experience. Oh, that sounds so nice. I, I should just do it. I'm just going to do it. Yeah, just do it. You know what? Next time you fly back, but next time you make a decision to fly back, just book the appointment for the morning before your flight. Um, what? That's what Norm did. Wait, I assumed there would still be like, this is another reason I keep putting it off is I assumed even after the interview, there was still probably like weeks of processing and bureaucracy. Well, yeah, there'll be a couple of weeks of processing, but at least you'll have the appointment done and you won't have to go out to SFO for a special, make a special trip to SFO. Fair, fair. Yeah. Um, uh, okay. So what's, so I, what do you, what do you take? What do you, what's your, what's your move? At this point, I'm, uh, I'm on the MacBook Pro, the Xbox Series S, a Switch. Although, like I said, I'm not doing a whole lot with the Switch these days, but it seems like malpractice not to bring one. Do you bring just like a, your grippy thing or do you even have case? a grippy thing? Oh, I don't have a grippy thing. Oh, you should get a grippy thing for the switch. It makes it much more easy to play. I should probably get a grippy thing. Much more comfortable. Um, gosh, Kindle iPad. Yeah. That's kind of it now. Everything else lives there. Um, like even a mic stand, a microphone and stand and it's Xbox controller, all kinds of stuff out there. Anyway. Um, I, I almost didn't bring the road arm this time. Cause I was like, I could just buy a $20 arm from Amazon like a, and treat it as disposable. That's what, that's exactly what I did. I went on the discord and just asked Ed. Yeah. Cause Ed knows. I just said, Hey, just what's the best floor stand. He's a big floor stand guy. Oh, interesting. And the floor stand he pointed me to was like 40 bucks and exactly what I needed. Oh, there you go. Uh, and it would, that would travel well if you, anyway, uh, I, I also hate unpacking all my electronics in the TSA line cause I hate getting them all banged up. I, 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 my feeling is that things should be used. Oh, I agree. But like, you know, that's not, that's not what I would consider use. That's not a typical, like throwing stuff around in bins and sending it through x-rays is not what I consider normal use for electronics. But what's, what's the Japanese thing where you, when you, when you break a dish, you mend it in a way that's beautiful. Whoa. That's, that sounds like a very elegant philosophy. I don't know. Uh, mend it as in like uh, literally glue it back together. It's Kintsugi, I think. Huh. Yeah. So you, you mend pottery that's broken with gold. Um, oh, huh. And it repairs it and makes it lovely and makes it look intentional when you break something. Uh, it means uh, it means golden joinery. Interesting. Interesting. So you 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 repair pottery with mixed lacquer uh, mixed with powdered gold, silver or platinum. Wow. I, you know, uh, I don't know if that MacBook breaks in half. I may not be. I don't think you can glue that back together. Mending it with gold. Uh, I mean, you could I'd, try. I guess I could try. I, I finally would have some thoughts. Yes, I'm sure he would. So I, I finally just I was like, all right, I, I need a laptop sleep at least like the Xbox. Eh. But this lap, this laptop is very expensive and I'm still babying it. And it's a work thing. Like I should at least try to protect that. My partner found a laptop sleeve at like a brand new one at the Salvation Army. Ooh, let me, let me tell you. Deal. She, she lives for deal hunting in San Francisco at thrift yeah. shops. It's hard to do in San Francisco these days, too. Wait, why, how do you figure? Well, like the 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 deal, the the number of people who are aware of what a good deal is on like technology or technology adjacent stuff in San Francisco is pretty high. Oh yeah, yeah, you're not wrong. Well, this is not just tech stuff. I mean, this is everything. Okay. But like specifically, the thing I was going to say is, and I'm not giving away the secret here. If you live in San Francisco, wow, there are so many people of extravagant wealth in the city. You can find so much stuff at thrift shops that is brand new and very nice and like clear, like literally with like the sticker still on it. Like just, oh yeah. Like it's just ridiculous. Like we, we got a brand new Ottoman, like brand new, like hundred dollar, like wooden serving tray from crate and barrel, like just all Mm. kinds of stuff. Just clearly never been used before. Wow. So she found a nice laptop sleeve there. 
Yeah. And brought it home. Uh-huh. It's been in glittered. Did you do the glittering or no, did it come I, glittered? We don't know what happened. We don't know what happened, but there's glitter. It's like it was new. It appeared to be new. Never used. But it's got glitter. Um, what do you do about glitter? Yeah, there's there's nothing you can do. Oh, man. Is that one just forfeit? Um, well, I mean, you can just assume it's going to be glittered forever. That's fine. It's just the way you live your life now. Yeah, I suppose so. I, I bought a really fancy pen a few weeks ago, and Ooh. I didn't realize until I looked at something I'd written with it in the sunlight that it had glitter in the ink. What? Yeah. What monster <laughs> would birth something like that? I mean, it was a. It's colored, so um, mm. I don't know. I bought a child pencil. Uh, my my friend Bonnie Burton calls glitter the herpes of the craft world. Wow. Well, um, now we've got an episode title. Yeah. <laughs> know about that. Um, it's, which, it's between that and old dirty bastard adapter, I'm not sure. <laughs> um, but but no, the 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 idea is that once you engage with glitter forever, is it going to haunt you? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I can attest. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and tell people that like the if you're a parent and you need an emergency like Mother's Day or birthday card or something. Uh, or even what just want to have a project that, that you can do with the kid. A good thing to do is to cut out a heart or whatever shape you want, spread glue on the card on the, on the craft paper you're going to use for the card and then dump a bunch of really fine glitter on the glue. And it looks really fancy and nice. The glitter never stays on the glue though, mm-hmm. is the, is the thing I would, mm-hmm. this is an outside project for a small child. Glitter has a mind of its own. It's like a hive mind. It's like, it's, it's like an ant colony, something about glitter. Like it all seems to act of a piece well then and like there have been a lot of good amas about from people who work at or own glitter factories on reddit over the years um about the horrible things the other the other fun i i have a a, a friend who worked in stop motion animation for a long time i think adam's told adam told the story on this is only test or or uh still entitled at some point too but he, he was like what what's the thing like you know, when you're when you're shooting the shit and doing a stop motion shoot, which takes months or years in some cases, you often think like what like if things went bad with my relationship with this production and I wanted to destroy it, what what was the thing I could do? <laughs> and it's that you walk into the room with the puppets and just blow glitter so that there's little speckles of glitter on everything. Dude, that doesn't just ruin the production; that ruins that room as well. Oh, it's, it would, it would just, well, it would destroy the film in a way that they wouldn't realize until much, much later. Cause oh, you probably devious. wouldn't realize that it's sparkly in different yeah. places. That's devious. It's, it's evil. Um, anyway, uh, what else, what else did you bring? What else you, what else, what else, uh, what else you for gear? I mean, adapters, hubs, you know, the standard stuff. Um, I ended up buying the entire rogue amoeba suite of audio tools for Mac OS. What's Rogue Amoeba? I'm not familiar with them. They're, they're a little boutique software company. So I'm fascinated by the, I've been fascinated for a long time by the kind of like, I'm trying to think how to describe it. It's like the kind of low key commercial software world for Mac OS. You know oh. what I mean? Like there is such a different culture of selling software on the Mac. Yeah. Like on Windows, everything is like pretty much everything in Windows is freeware. There's at least one freeware version of everything. Uh, obviously, like the open source world, everything is free by definition. There's always just been this like different vibe to Mac software. Like it's almost all trialware. Well, yeah, it's like panic. It's the stuff that panic came out of, yes, right? Like, yes, it's exactly um, panic is like kind of the prototypical example. Like rogue Amoeba is another one, but it, it's, it's even more than just the business model. I mean, everybody charges, you know, you're getting product keys for everything, but there's even like an, like there's a design ethos to it too. You know, like everything's got a really nice icon, like the web pages that where they sell yeah. the stuff is all really nicely laid out. Like, I wonder if that's all just descended from the Mac's history as like a productivity and design platform. Well, I, I think so. It's I think it's also why the App Store has worked better on the Mac than it has on Windows, right? I think people, I think Mac Mac users m- might might have been trained to appreciate software that's thoughtful and well designed more than maybe Windows users cared about. Um, like I, 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 I often think about like Tweetbot as a good example of this, right? Like yes. I pay five bucks a year for Tweetbot happily because it, 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 it serves a purpose for me and I yeah. like the way I like to use it and it makes me happy in the way that the default Twitter client with ads doesn't. Yeah. I, I also bought Tweetbot back when I used a Mac more regularly. Um, yeah. anyway, yeah, the rogue amoeba stuff, it's, it's, it's the core of their stuff is basically voice meter. It does exactly what voice meter does in windows. 
That's it why is. it's familiar. I used to use that when I we used a Mac to record podcasts at Maximum PC. Yeah, our uh, our producer on the FossPod, Matt, recommended Loopback, which is Loopback is the thing that actually ties into the kernel and like creates virtual audio devices that it can you know populate throughout every app. Uh huh. Um, they kind of they compartmentalize all their functionality. There's like eight different apps that they sell, and they all do like one slightly different thing. And to get everything you want, it kind of just makes sense to get the bundle with everything. Wow, what a they, weird coincidence. Yeah, because it's weird. They split all the, the smaller bundles up in just such a way that you can't quite get everything you want for podcasting. Unless you just get the whole thing. This um, is my surprised face. Yes, but. Uh, uh, oh, and the thing I was going to say, God, dude, the security in macOS has gotten so crazy because it takes a kernel extension to tie into the audio hardware to yeah. create, create the virtual devices. And the process for now allowing a kernel extension to be installed, <laughs> it took like 10 minutes. You really? have to re- you have to reboot into recovery mode and go into some very low level security dialogue. Wow. And authenticate like three times. And is, tell this, it, is this like the, did they provide a instructions for this? Yeah. Yeah. The, the rogue Amoeba people have a nice illustrated, like here's all the things you're going to have to do. And it's quite a few hoops. Like huh. you have to, you have to enable stuff in the regular system prefs thing, then reboot into recovery mode and enable even more, like allow more stuff and then reboot back in and, and allow even, even more. And then finally it'll let you install that kernel extension. Like the, I think I appreciate as much as it's been a hassle for me for the most part, like I kind of appreciate how lockdown Mac OS is at this point. Well, it's kind of a one-time hassle, right? Like you yeah. do it once and then it's not a hassle again until you have to reinstall the machine or whatever. Like it, it's mostly just been extra roadblocks to getting things done for me so far. But at the same time, I appreciate that they allow like kind of literally nothing to happen without your permission. Now, like I, uh, I'm trying to think uh, people will have heard the new FOSPOD with, JB of VLC fame. Yeah. He talked about you can screencast with VLC. And I tried that on the Mac yesterday because he had been talking about it. You have to you have to allow on a per app basis for apps to capture your screen in Mac OS. Yeah, like it's it's funny because iOS lagged behind Android on like granular permissions for apps for a long time. Uh, and, and they've, they've, I think three versions of the OS back, they kind of fixed that. And, and it like, it's a, it's a good change. It's nice to know what permissions your apps actually want. I kind of, I kind of am coming around to that view. Like even, even Apple's apps that they ship with the operating system, like terminal, for example, like if you, the first time you try to like LS a directory and terminal that it doesn't have, it's basically outside of your home directory it straight up says, Hey, terminal does not have full disk access. Do you want to grant it? Yeah. Yeah, I, I like that. I like the, hey, uh, you can't, this app can't snoop on your network unless you allow it to, um, stuff like that. It's, it's, it's a, it's, it's a, like, it's honestly, it's, I think somebody at Apple realized that that's one of their main competitive advantages a few years ago. And, and in, in a world where, and, and and like, it works, like, look at what, look at what Apple flipping on, um, the the do not track for for defaulting the defaulting the the facebook blocking and the and the anonymous blocking of of uh, ads did to facebook when when they flipped that on a few versions mm-hmm. of ios ago um and and i think people are finally kind of wising up people are getting there people are wising up to it a little bit more like i hear people who are not technical asking why they searched for, you know, they, they clicked on one shoe ad and then every device that they use shows them Nike and new balance ads for the next three weeks. Um, it's creepy. It's creepy. Yeah. Agreed. Um, and well, and, and with the stuff going on with, with, with abortion access in the United States right now, there was a big conversation about that and stuff like period tracking apps and, um, and, and like what your metadata wake how like if you live in Texas or someplace where your neighbors can rat you out for getting an abortion, what does your metadata wake? Like the idea that target might know you're pregnant before you or your family know you're pregnant is, is suddenly much more worrisome than, than it was two months ago. I mean, that is hideous. That is wretched. You know, like, like the, the shoe, the shoe ad thing is just sort of creepy and inconvenient or whatever. But like yeah. now, now we, we've rapidly gone to a situation of like dire material consequences for this stuff. Like it's, it's really not good. Well, yeah, the idea that somebody could subpoena Target's ad network to to find out, you know, who who was buying pregnancy tests, and yeah, it's anyway. Dark times, man. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's as good a place as any to wrap it up. Oh, um, what are you doing for VPNs? We didn't talk about that yet. So I've still got the L2TP IPsec VPN set up on my Edge router. That's built in. 
Like I'm, I'm all wire guard all the time. Yeah, now. I would like to be as well. The 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 um, the IPsec stuff. The they have hardware decode for that type of encryption. Yeah, and it's built into Edge OS to set it up. So I still got it. Uh, I set up WireGuard while I was there finally, uh-huh. which like WireGuard itself is, is, is rad. It's like the whole setup process was incredibly elegant and cool and I enjoyed doing it. If you generate, it's like it's, if you've generated SSH key pairs, it's very similar. It's like, yeah, kind of neat on the edge router. It's not, it's got issues. I was just like, saying you have a home assistant install running on a Pi someplace, right? I do on a Pi 4. Uh, I talked to uh, our network all-star cake batter. Yeah. Uh, recommended. He, well, so you are running on a home assistant, so maybe you can speak to this. He said that he said that the routing gets quite a bit more complicated when you run uh, WireGuard on a device that is not the, also the firewall. Uh, I am not having any problems. Interesting. So you do have I'm to not. open a port to the home assistant for WireGuard, right? Oh, so I'm using Nabucasa. Oh, right. Uh, but also I do have I do have a dynamic DNS set up. I can't remember. Like, I don't think that there's a port open right now. I'll have to oh, look. Okay. Um, but the wire guard, the wire, there must be or else the wire guard couldn't work, but um, I'm running on a Pi three. Even the oh. performance is, is like, I often don't realize I'm on the VPN on my phone. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. So that was another issue there. There seems to be for the best I can tell. And this took literal like GitHub issue tracking to figure out that it yeah. seems like there's a bug in edge OS that tanks wire guard performance in a lot of cases. Like when you're running on the device or when you're running through the through the router? It's on the router. It's it's oh. weird. So I speed tested out there. Their their internet is not the fastest to begin with. It's like yeah. under 160 down or something. I was getting like I was getting like 80 megabit down through wire uh with WireGuard through the edge router. And that like, seems right. And 60 to 70 with the the IPsec one. So it actually seemed faster. Huh. But whenever I would try to move something like from the NAS to the laptop, for example, I was getting like one megabit a second. Like it was just performance was like non existent and Best I could tell looking at bugs, there is a bug in Edge OS that seems like they disable like the hardware NAT oh, uh, acceleration. When you have IPsec on or when you have WireGuard when you're on. Using WireGuard, yeah. And like they are barely supporting Edge OS at this point. So like that got me thinking maybe it's time to get rid of the <laughs> Edge router and build maybe. a router. But um, so I, I, I have had good, I've not done file transfers into the LAN, but the latency and the throughput, like it feels, it feels performant. Yeah, like I was super excited because you see a lot of people that run WireGuard at home talking about like, oh, like you can set, oh God, there's a term for it. I cannot remember the term for having it connected at all times. Is it on demand? Ubiquitous or on demand or something like that. There's a WireGuard term for this device connects constantly to the WireGuard. But like you see people talking about like having their phones and tablets connected constantly to their VPN at home. And like, you know, then you reap the benefits of having a pie hole or whatever and stuff like that. Like yesterday, I literally hit Google and was like, hey, do pizza delivery near me to find a pizza joint. And I was like, why the fuck is it showing me Pacifica? It's, the phone's so <laughs> stupid. And I was like, oh, right. The VPN's still on. It's and not the phone that's stupid. Yeah, it's me. it was me. I was I, the stupid one. Yeah. Um, anyway, we, we, we won't make this episode two hours long, but um, it was fun messing around with that stuff. I also have all the parts on the way to build a Pi KVM right now Ooh, i'm very I'm excited about that super excited about uh but can't really I'm, speak can't I'm, speak from experience to that yet but we'll get there yeah that, that sounds like a patron episode this month I can't, I can't wait to hear how that goes because that would solve some problems for me too yeah um i think this is as good a place as any to wrap it up huh brad yeah, yeah. uh thanks to everybody for listening as always brad well made a tech bot is a 100 listener supported show if you would like to find out how to support the show for as little as two dollars a month i'm gonna go and tell you that's less than a cup of coffee it is the, the only uh even in this even in these dark times you can speak from experience yeah i've bought a cup of coffee and it costs less than two dollars um you can find out how to support us at patreon.com slash tech pod uh we really appreciate all of our patrons uh but especially our executive producer tier patrons who we thank every week including paddle creek games makers of fractured veil vale, andrew slosky Octothorpe Bunny Crimes. I think that's his official name now. Just Wedge, Jake, Jacob Chapel, Joel Krauska, Twinkies got a pick in place. Oh, wow. That's an exciting development. And uh, James Kamek, thank you also so much. We really appreciate you. And you um, again, it's patreon.com slash tech pod. It is. Uh, and I guess that'll do it for us this week. Our It will. We had a new, as you alluded to earlier, a new episode of the Foss Pod came out uh, mm-hmm. a couple of days ago. 
where we talked to Jean-Baptiste Kempf from the VL, the video land project, the video VLC, the video land client. I would describe him as unfiltered and raw. Oh, that was he a was, great conversation. I, mm, I <laughs> Jean-Baptiste, Jean-Baptiste did not hold much back uh, on what he thinks about us patent law, software patents, copyright, DRM. He was ready to go, man. The, the Blu-ray market, uh, corporations yeah. supporting open source or not. Whether or not uh, IP law is bullshit. Uh, uh, it was a great conversation. Uh, yeah. I, mm, I didn't so realize that started as a student project either until we started researching that episode. That was I, fascinating. <laughs> I love the very beginning of the conversation when we like kind of did the boiler play like, oh, you know, let's walk us through the background of DLC. Like, how did you guys get started? And like, he was like, well, it, it starts in the 60s. Yeah. I was like, huh, okay. In the beginning, there was right. the command line. It was, it was very primordial. But yeah, that was a fascinating conversation. He had some he had some very forthright answers about a lot of stuff that I was very pleased to hear. It was awesome. Yeah, it was yeah. a good talk. Uh, yes. You can find out more about the FOSBOD at FOSBOD.content.town. Uh, and in the meantime, I guess we'll see you all next week. Thank you.